Welcome into this edition of the Swarmcast. David Eichel here with 24-7 Sports, HawkeyeInsider.com. Pleased to be joined by the most prestigious guest to date. Uh, Don Staley, award winner, led the nation in points as a true freshman from Dowling Catholic, second in assists in the country. Uh, you know what, honestly, I'm going to take up the whole podcast by listing off her accolades. So, <laughs> Caitlin Clark, thanks for coming on. I, yeah. I really appreciate you taking yep. the time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Of your uh, very busy schedule, I'm sure. Well, let's start just, I guess, from the beginning. I mean, I, I imagine your life has been a whirlwind, especially over since the NCAA tournament started. Uh, I don't know how you are about Travis Scott and Kevin Durant, but they're clearly fans of you. So I, I guess let's start there. I can't remember when ESPN and Kevin Durant and all them were tweeting about it and everything. I mean, honestly, what was the shock factor for you when you saw all that stuff starting to go viral? Yeah, um, the NCAA tournament, like I kind of just like blew up and it was honestly kind of cool to see. But at the same time, it was just a little overwhelming um, in a way. But, but honestly, it was just super cool more than anything. And like, that's what you want for women's sports to have those big names uh, kind of un- endorse you in a way and, and get your name out there um, was super cool. And Kevin Durant has actually followed me on Instagram for a while and, and I've actually met him in person before. So um, to have him say that, and then he DM'd me and we kind of went back and forth a little bit, which is cool. And then the Travis Scott one after the UConn game, I was pro- I was super shocked because that's probably one of the last people I would expect to watch our game. But that was honestly super cool, too. And so many people, so many of my friends and college students were just like freaking out, texting me like, oh, my gosh, did you see this? I'm like, yeah, I saw. <laughs> so so talk about the, you know, I guess how I really wanted to hit this topic with you because I'm really trying to take it upon myself to, you know, try to boost women's coverage. I think you saw the study that the most obvious study on the planet. <laughs> hey, you actually give women's sports exposure and proper marketing. They can be profitable and they can sustain on their own. It, it's, it's mind boggling. It actually took a study to, to show that. Um, but, you know, with everything else going on in your life and, you know, what your goals are, I mean, how important is it for you to increase visibility, not just for Iowa women's basketball, but for women's basketball in general? I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy that you're a freshman, but I don't want to see people are expecting it out of you, but uh, how much are you kind of embracing trying to do that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's kind of one of my biggest goals. And I think as you saw through the NCAA tournament, there was just so much excitement and so many people watching the games and the numbers were through the roof. And like, like you said, that study that came out, was kind of obvious. If you give people the platform, <laughs> the numbers are going to go up. And that's kind of one of the things we talked about with president Emmer last or this week. Um, and how our numbers with ESPN were through the roof. And honestly, I heard that ESPN was super happy with that. Um, it was a very beneficial for them to, to have us on all their networks. It was actually the first year, a couple games on ABC, like our game was on ABC versus UConn, um, had a, quite a few viewers, one of the most viewed games in the tournament. So um, that's exactly what you want. But it's not only women's basketball, it's other women's sports. Um, and, and honestly, I, I watch a lot of other sports as well. So it's just keep getting the name out there, keep promoting it, keep getting it on those platforms such as ESPN, all those big networks. And, and it will just keep growing. As you said, I think volleyball, they've done a better job of actually trying to market the volleyball tournament. And granted, I think the tournaments in Omaha, which is kind of the kind of a Mecca for, for women's volleyball. And, and I know obviously meant, you know, baseball and, and all of that. So what advice would you give your freshmen? So I know you're still a freshman, but like, going into Iowa, knowing what you know now, what would be the piece of advice that you'd give yourself? Oh, that's tough. Um, 
Just like, I don't know. That's hard. Um, we can circle back if you want to. I think just like don't get caught up in all the media and all the attention. I think that was kind of the biggest thing for me, especially at the end of the year, just because it kind of got so big. I ended up deleting Twitter at one point just before uh, the UConn-Iowa game, just because it was so much like Caitlin versus Paige. It was literally everywhere. You turn on the TV, it's on Sports Center. I mean, that's exactly what you want, but as a player, you can't really buy into that. And that's all you look at. That's all you read. Um, so I think that kind of plays into it and just being focused on the game, being focused on your team um, is kind of something I really, I really focused on, especially in, before that UConn game when the hype was the biggest it had been all season as it should have been. You know, it's interesting too. I imagine that's again, kind of a mixed bag for you because I, I, I tweeted out yesterday. I said that individual matchups, you know, star matchups, is really what's going to attract people to women's basketball, but the teams are going to actually keep them around once they're gone. And, you know, I think you guys, I think, you know, you and Paige, I think Gino Oriema and I think Lisa Bluter and you guys did a really good job of saying, Hey, it's not Caitlin page. Like there's still other players. There's still teams. I mean, you look at you know, Monica Susano led the nation in field goal percentage. Gabby Marshall is probably one of the best spot up three point shooters in the country. Uh, McKenna uh, Warnock I mean you could go down the list of great players that you guys have yeah I mean for sure I think we were the best three-point field goal percentage team in the country and I think that was kind of a big thing when people did watch our games especially there at the end of the year when we went on the Big Ten tournament run and then obviously into the NCAA tournament a lot of people would tune in oh my gosh Caitlin Clark whatnot but then they actually watch our team and they see a fast pace a fun offense I think that's kind of the biggest eye catcher when somebody turns on the team to watch TV to watch Iowa is just our style of play. It's exciting. It's fun. It's not very like, I wouldn't say it's very like set in stone what you have to do. You kind of improvise play off each other. And honestly, that's one of the biggest reasons I love it. And I think it really helps show my game um, and helped help me benefit in the offense greatly. But as you said, I think um, it's, it's more than me, but obviously we're going to give that answer. Um, no matter what, that's what we're supposed to do. But, uh, me and Paige don't mind, um, bringing the attention to ourselves just because we want what the women's game to grow. That's exactly what we want. And we know that's how it has to be. You have to have stars, but I think more than anything, it's, we need multiple stars. We can't just have that one star. And I think when there's multiple great players, um, throughout women's college basketball or professional women's basketball, I think that's what really attracts people and makes them want to watch you know what you know speaking of Iowa too again I I, I bounce topic topics so I apologize if I throw you oh, for yeah. a loop but you know it is interesting to me when I first got to you know this job back in 2018 and noticing just how much Iowa Iowans pay attention to women's basketball I mean granted when you have somebody like Lisa Bluter you got Jan Jensen you have the whole staff you know staff that's been there for a while and you get people like Sam Logic Ali Disterhoff and you know, go, go down the list, really. I guess, how, how important was that for you when you were going through the process of it? And is that something that you kind of, I mean, I obviously you haven't been able to experience it yet due to COVID, but how important was that for you that, hey, women's basketball is a priority here, not just from the athletic standpoint, but the, the fans all get behind it too. Yeah, I think that was a huge part of it. I always told my parents, like, I want to play in front of a crowd. I think but you can just tell by my style of play, I kind of live for that big cheer and, and crowd going crazy. And I've had, I've actually had a lot of people come up to me since the season ends. Like, I know you're just waiting to get inside a packed arena. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But no, that it was honestly a huge reason. And I actually, I was like committed at this point, but I came to Megan's Jersey retirement. So she was not playing, but she was here. And 
just the crowd. It was actually a close game too. They were playing Michigan State last year and just the crowd. It's it's incredible. I mean, they, I think it was sold out that game possibly, mm-hmm. but I think next year it's going to be pretty, pretty rock. And I think there's a chance to sell out some pretty good games, especially because the Big Ten is going to have some very talented teams. I think we were in, we were at nine in the ESPN preseason way too early, whatever, top 25, but there's a, still another two mm-hmm. Big Ten teams ahead of us and still a couple after us in the top 25 still. So there's still going to be some really good matchups in the Big Ten for sure. Well, I think the Big Ten starting to disprove the theory that, hey, that, you know, everybody's always kind of looked at the tier list of conferences. Big Ten's kind of been slightly below, you know, whoever yeah. else. I think they've started to kind of uh, dis- disprove that over the past, you know, couple of years or so. Might be kind of a weird question, but I really want to ask it. When you hit that game winner against Iowa State, I mean, obviously the adrenaline's flowing. I, I imagine the crowd would have just been absolutely oh. bonkers. The roof would have blown off the place. But when you look back at it, in a way, was it kind of awkward because the gym's empty and you guys are just absolutely freaking out? I met, I, I remember that one picture of you being like lifted up, you're putting <laughs> your hand up and all that stuff. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine doing that in an empty arena. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was awkward because actually our bench was super loud and the whole men's team was there right behind our basket and they were going crazy. They had like the defense chant going. They were getting all the parents into it. I'm not kidding. The whole men's team was there. It was hilarious, but they were, they were really loud. And then obviously Iowa state brought a good number of fans. We had a, a decent number for COVID. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously not nothing, crazy yeah. <laughs> anything, but um, honestly, we, our team was just so hyped. The bench was hype because um, we came back from down 14. So there was multiple timeouts before we got to the point where I hit the game winner, but I mean, it would have been nuts if, if fans were there. I totally agree. But honestly, it was it was a super fun comeback. And then obviously the locker room after the win was it was pretty fun. We, we sprayed water everywhere all over Coach Bluter. So that was pretty fun. But hopefully, hopefully not a remake of that because we don't want to be down again. But um, hopefully something similar at Carver this year. <laughs> Well, you got, you got three years left, which yeah. again, I, I, I thought I knew about the WNBA draft rules and whether I, I, I kind of want to talk about this with you too, actually, because it, it's, it's, in, it's an interesting process and I understand why they're in place just because of the limited team, the limited roster spots. And it, it's kind of one of those things where I actually not to give the NCAA any credit whatsoever, by the way, and not saying they're right because that, you know, those words don't go together ever. Um, it's not an actual sentence, but when you, the risk reward factor, if you can't immediately contribute, I mean, you saw, I mean, if you're not a first round pick the WNBA draft, like there's no guarantee and you, there's only 12 spots. So obviously this is way down the road for you. I'm not asking you to comment on if you would dip out early or graduate early. That's, right. that's, I think it's stupid when people focus on that, but I guess, what are your kind of, what's your kind of view of, of just the WNBA draft rules to this point? Yeah, I think there's a lot that goes into it, but I think obviously down the road, I do see that changing. But I, as you said, like it would just be so hard with only 12 teams, obviously your first round draft pick and you're still battling for a spot on the team. Like, I don't know. That's just hard, especially with the money. I think I saw the head Arizona women's basketball coach said like the money has to change before we make any changes to draft rules, just because there's not that space. There's not that time type of money for the talented players to leave early that's really going to intrigue them to leave early mm-hmm. um I think especially with name image and likeness kind of coming up uh that could kind of keep if there was that option I think that could keep players at college more because they're still benefiting and profiting while playing basketball and, and honestly here at Iowa like 
I would probably be playing in way more in front of way more fans than I would in the WNBA. And honestly, that's one of the most fun parts of basketball. So I don't know. It would be, it would be a tough decision for sure. Well, I was going to say the NIL, like, I mean, I don't know what, I know enough about women's basketball salary that, you know, I don't know how the NIL is going to work when it ever takes effect. But I mean, I'd be very interested to see the salary comparisons, at least the potential aspect. I mean, obviously it's going to fluctuate. It's not like a set salary. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is you're not asking for the schools to pay you. You're asking to be able to represent yourself like any normal human being, but obviously yeah. with the way the college model has been for so long and now a lot of people are understanding of that. I, I, I think there was like a month time where they were talking about the schools potentially paying the players. So I think people have like latched onto that and attached that to the NIL, yeah. whether it be I for think, fair or not. Yeah. I think that is by far the biggest misconception. And then when you get on Twitter and you see all these people like, no, 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 like, they already pay the, the student athlete. I'm like, the university has nothing to do with name, image, and likeness. Absolutely nothing. Um, they can't even be involved in any sort of like negotiation. Say mm-hmm. I'm going to like the local pizza place to shoot a commercial. Like the university could have nothing to do with that. They can't be involved. You have to do it all yourself. Obviously, like your parents or somebody could help you. But I mean, the university has nothing to do with that. And there would be some sort of thing where you have to report it to the university. So they know it's legit just because mm-hmm. obviously there could be, I think that's kind of their biggest concern with it right now is things such like boosters and whatnot, kind of covering up money by it being name, image, and likeness and whatnot. And sure, I think that's just the biggest concern right now, but I totally agree. I think that's the biggest misconception by far. And at one point they might've been talking about the universities. And I think some people or some athletes are pushing for revenue sharing. And president Emmert said like anything with revenue sharing is, is never going to be a thing. Um, universities are never going to agree to that. Um, yeah. And I, I'm not really sure I'm all for that as well. I, I totally agree with name image and likeness. That has nothing to do with the university, but uh, revenue sharing, I don't see in the future. So let me ask you this, I guess. Oh, by the way, without the people who actually complain about name, image, and likeness on Twitter, they always fit in these categories, right? Single or double digit followers, (laughs) an an egg avatar, a dog avatar, or like a bitmoji avatar. Like there's never anybody prominent that's out there saying that they're burner accounts that people yell at people. Yeah, I, Uh, I see them all the time. I'm like, oh, I just wish people were educated. I think that's the biggest problem with it I, I think I there's so many people I just under, don't understand and I think mm-hmm. even co- college athletes just don't even understand fully what it is yet and credit to the University of Iowa I think they've been they kind of have a task task force now made up of like the law school the business school the compliance department and they're just trying to go around to all the athletic teams and kind of educate them before it does go into effect let them know what it is know what's right and wrong. And I think that's what every university needs to be doing right now. So kids actually understand because even people on my team didn't really understand what it was. And obviously I didn't six months ago before (laughs) I kind of got involved in the whole thing. And I think that's just the biggest thing right now, education. But I think there's just even more for me to learn just because there's so many different parts to it. So many different bills proposed and it's going to be like, what's going to be allowed? What's not going to be allowed? Mm -hmm. So before we get off this topic, I guess, were you surprised by anything that was said during the meeting with President Emmert or was it just pretty much what you kind of expected? Yeah, it was it was pretty much what I expected, obviously. Um, it was it was nice to hear him say that we do need an option. We need to figure things out. He, and he's for 
NIL. Um, he, he's totally for it. He agrees. Um, but there's just, again, so many different bills proposed, whether it's Congress. And um, I think he knows if July 1st doesn't come around and there's not one governing law either passed by Congress, which I don't know how likely that is, or the NCA doesn't come out and say, here's the rules. This is what we're going by. I think it's going to be pretty chaos because as mm-hmm. you said, those, there are some states that already passed NIL laws or that are going to go into effect July 1st. And he said he's not going to punish those athletes that benefit from them. And honestly, all of those states kind of have different rules. There's, they're not all, the sim, all that similar. So I think that's the biggest thing, getting to July 1st with one governing law. Everybody's on the same playing field, which is kind of one of the NCAA's biggest things. Everybody's on the same fair playing field. So you would think we kind of need to get something done, but – I think it'll happen. I'm positive. Obviously there's a lot that goes into it. So we'll see. So transitioning, let's talk about younger Caitlin uh, way. I'm, I'm talking like way before Iowa, before high school and all that. When did you, uh, when did you first realize that you wanted to play basketball and how did that sort of come? I know you, you come from a family of pretty, ath- pre athletic family. Yeah. Um, I was super young and honestly, my parents knew I was really competitive from a young age. They could see that whether it was me running around with the kids in the neighborhood, playing board games, things like that. And they honestly just threw me in whatever sport they could. So I think the first sport I really played was soccer, just because I feel like you can play that when you're like two. So I was like tiny and I actually played soccer with the boys. I played basketball with the boys. Um, and I, I honestly, when I played with the boys, I was super competitive. I cried every single time we lost. My dad was actually our coach, but I really loved it from a young age. And I, and I kept playing um, with the boys until about sixth grade. And then I moved over to the girls. So, and eventually moving into all Iowa Tech, which was one of the best things for me, super competitive club, one of the best clubs in the nation. And I played up quite a bit. Um, I, I was in eighth grade and I played with going to be seniors in high school. So I played up quite a bit there and um, it was honestly super fun. And I think around seventh, eighth grade is kind of when I really knew like, okay, this is my future. How tall were you when you were playing against the high school seniors? Ooh, I wasn't that tall. <laughs> I, was still, I was small and I was skinny. I, I mean, I still am really skinny, lanky. Um, but honestly, when I was playing up with them, I was more like, I didn't start or anything. It was more like a an ex- learning experience because I just got moved up at the end of the summer Mm-hmm. I usually played on the 10th grade team and we were actually super good. And we got moved up for like Nike nationals, uh, that type of thing. And it was honestly a fun experience. I learned a lot from a lot of those kids because they're going to like Missouri, Nebraska, Creighton. And it was just fun being around them and a cool experience. But yeah, I was tiny. <laughs> when did you know you were good? Like, I know it's such a weird kind of question, yeah. but like, I feel like there's always that moment in an athlete's mind that there's like, okay, I can ball literally anybody. Yeah, I think around middle school age, just because, um, especially when I moved over to playing with the girls, I I think I got my first offer in seventh grade, but my parents, like, I didn't really talk to coaches or anything, like, not really until my sophomore year of high school, freshman, sophomore year of high school, just because, like, I'm in seventh grade, seventh and eighth grade, I don't need to do that with my life, like, that, that's ridiculous, and I think it's crazy that people recruit that young, but if other people are doing it, then other colleges have to as well. It's just kind of the thing now. But yeah, I think that's kind of when I kind of realized like, okay, like this is legit. And I think that's kind of what, what drove me to work harder and harder. Like I'm one of those people that like, 
once I taste a little success, like I'm in the gym, like every single day. And that's kind of how I was this season. Like when things were going really good, obviously I'm always in the gym, but like I would come before shoot around and shoot extra at like 7am. Like that's just what I do. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I saw somebody yesterday got like an in-state prospect got an offer, and she's like in the 2026 yeah. class. And yeah, I saw that. I'm like, I have never felt more <laughs> old in my yeah. life than watching that. Yeah, I, I mean, heard she's actually super good. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, I don't know how much I can really say about it. Yeah, uh, but it was. It was. It was just like, oh my! It was like a oh my god moment. Like, yeah, 2026 sounds crazy. Well, I had a buddy of mine the other day. He was like, Hey, I want you to realize you're closer to 30 than 20 now. And I'm like, I hate you. I'm like going through a quarter <laughs> life crisis now. It just sucks. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess to kind of keep on that path, obviously you, you racked up plenty of offers. I think your final three is what Iowa state, Iowa, Notre Dame. Yep. Uh, before, before we get to, you know, kind of dissecting that a little bit, did you grow up a fan of anybody specific or were you a, um, or are you just sort of like whatever? I, so I know your brother, your brother plays for Iowa state, right? Yeah. I definitely wasn't like pro Iowa or Iowa state. Um, I honestly, I went to a lot of Drake basketball games when I was younger, just because I lived in Des Moines mm-hmm. and it was right there. And I loved basketball. So my dad would always take me and my brothers and my cousins, we would always go and Drake men's basketball was pretty good there for a while. And we would love going to those games. Oh my gosh. I think I had a Drake birthday cake one year. So <laughs> I don't think I ever like dreamed of going to Drake, but like I, I watched their games all the time. I always went to them men's and women's, but I think Notre Dame, honestly, growing up, like that was just every little kid, like every little girl was like, Oh my gosh, Notre Dame women's basketball. Like, Mm -hmm. especially when they had Skylar Diggins, I was watching her growing up. Like they were just talented and very talented. And so I would say them, I, I don't know if I would really consider a dream school is more like a school, like, Oh my gosh. And, once they started recruiting me, I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm I could be one of them one day. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's just kind of crazy. But I mean, obviously, once recruiting, like really picked up for me, it was it was super fun at first. Like, OK, I don't have to make a decision. I can just enjoy this. Look at all these crazy schools and cool schools that are recruiting me. But then when it gets down to the decision making time, like it's hard. I feel bad for kids like you're 17, 18 years old and you got to choose your next four years of life. And like, that's hard. It was hard. I couldn't imagine, like, I mean, try to imagine going through this past year, especially with, like, football and stuff where nobody got any visits, and they're literally depending on Zoom if they want to go fly across the country. And I'm like, I get why they couldn't travel at the time, but I'm like, man, they got to figure out something for for these kids. I'm like, that's just – like, I know so many prospects that signed. They never even stepped foot on campus, and they're flying across the country. Oh, I know. I, I feel terrible for those high school seniors, high school juniors, that are just like missing out on so many different opportunities. But I mean, it's tough, especially now for them with the COVID year, you don't know who's going to stay, who's not I'm trying to balance those things. You hadn't, you haven't been able to get on campus. Like, I mean, it's just crazy, but obviously now I think June 1st, correct. Is when they're opening it back up. Yeah. Yep. Yep. June 1st. So 
I think luckily for us at Iowa women's basketball, we had our, we had our next two classes pretty much done, obviously adding a few things here and there. So looking at some people, but um, I think that was really good for us. And we kind of had those commits down. So um, that was just kind of a positive looking at it from our perspective. I know that, you know, you, you guys have signed everybody in 2021. There's someone that will be transferring in, which obviously we can't comment on because I don't believe she signed her letter of intent. So, but give, give us a rundown of the 2021. I know some, I don't want to say much needed post help. Cause like, I don't mean that as a shot against, you know, Sharon and, and, and Monica, but you can yeah. never really have too much depth. And I think you kind of saw that against UConn. Cause I mean, you, I mean, you guys are not a small team by any means, but UConn, I was like, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're I imagine, I imagine that was like you playing up with the seniors. Like that oh, was the size for, difference for sure. I mean, they just got, they just have some tall athletic girls and honestly, that's what you're going to see a lot of those blue buds. That's what they're going to get. Um, and I think overall we could have just done a better job boxing out and people wouldn't have noticed we were so small. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously we have Addie coming in from Colorado. She's tall. She's like a four five can still shoot it. Um, AJ from Michigan, a pretty good player. I think she's ranked about 50th in the country. I'm not really sure on that, but pretty talented player. And then obviously Sydney, um, she played at attack. So I kind of know her a little bit. Um, not super well, but, um, she's probably the one I know best out of all of them, kind of a two, three strong, good build. Um, but yeah, I think it's overall a super talented class. I think they're ranked top 25. Maybe I think, I think they're top 20. Yeah. I heard somebody say maybe top 15 possibly, which is awesome. I was thinking um, like yeah. 17, 15 or 17. Cause I, I checked it a little while ago, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I think overall, more than anything, I think comp- our practices are just going to be super competitive. Um, I think that's exactly what you want. You want people to compete. You want people to challenge each other. And I think that's exactly what we're going to have. We're going to have 14 girls, everybody competing for spots. I mean, nothing's given to anybody. So um, people are going to be competing for every spot. And I think that's exactly what you want. It's going to push people to get better. So I'm super excited to get everybody back on campus and, and get working out in the summer. And I kind of, before we move on to kind of the season and some questions, I know some people had, I, I, I want, I want to clear up this too, because I feel like, again, a lot of people don't understand this. I think general fans take way too much account in who grew up a fan of who, because once you're, I think you can speak to this at least a little bit. Once you're in the recruiting process, it goes so much deeper than who you were a fan of growing up. Like there's so many more, so much more logistics to everything. And I mean, in some ways for you, I bet it was kind of a blessing that you didn't grow up a, a real diehard fan of anybody because it allowed you to kind of, you know, take off the whatever colored glasses and you could just sit down and evaluate the, like your options that you had. Oh, I totally agree. I think that totally helped. Like I visited schools, I visited Oregon, I visited Texas. Like I tried to go many different parts of the country to see what I like, see if I could go far from home. And I think doing that on it honestly helps me decide that like, no, I want to be close to home. And then obviously narrowing my options to multiple schools that were close to home still, but it still had good basketball. And I think there's just so many different things that play into it. Um, I think there's a lot of things that some kids don't even look at. I think style of play is a huge one. Like when you get to campus, yeah, you need to like your teammates. You need to like your coaches. You need to find the right major but like when you get on the court you need it to be your style play and I think that's exactly what I, I found here is it's fast it's up tempo it's it's a read and react which totally describes my game it's kind of 
you read, you make decisions and you think you do what you think is best. And I think that's honestly the perfect offense for our team and the type of players we have in it. We have athletic guards that can shoot the ball that just play off each other super well. So, I mean, there's just so much more that goes into it than the school you liked growing up. And I think that's, that's something that people could struggle with. Obviously Mm -hmm. I think it was a definite benefit for me, not really having that diehard school that my family supported or something like that. Like I just watched college sports and I loved it. So when that time came around, it was, the decision wasn't as hard for me to like not pick my diehard favorite school. <laughs> when, uh, when did Iowa offer you? They offered you really early, didn't they? Like yeah, eighth I, must, grade? It, it was, I think it was eighth grade. It was almost a perfect combination of things though, too, because like Kathleen Doyle just left. And I, what, what was their pitch to you? Basically, Hey, you're a starting point guard. Here's the keys to everything. Just go do what you do. Yeah. I, I mean, that, I think that's another big thing that people need to look at. Like, who's on the roster? Is, it, is there space available in your position? Like, are you going to have to compete? Are you going to have to play behind people for two years? And I think that was another huge thing for me. Obviously, Kathleen graduating and going to the WNBA, they needed to fill that spot right away. And that's kind of something Coach Bluter pitched to me. Like, you have an opportunity to, to be the point guard here for the next four years. And that's something that I wanted to do. I wanted to go to a place where I could impact their team right away. So, that was super important to me. Obviously I wanted to come in and earn it and show that to my teammates. Um, and I think that's what I did. And obviously it worked out pretty well for me this year. <laughs> so I, I was going to say to kind of wrap up this part of the conversation too, I actually covered Jessica. I don't know if you know Jessica Shepard at all. Yep. yep. So when I, I graduated from Nebraska, I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know how many people actually know that, uh, but I covered her for a few, I mean, yeah. Uh, I covered I her for a few, I know, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> it's, I was born in Sioux city. That's my only, uh, that's okay. my, that's my backup plan, but I covered Jessica and she was unbelievably talented. Her, the way she scored in the post and how relentless she was when she went to Notre Dame for that final year, that was not surprising whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, she, I think she grew up a diehard Notre Dame fan and, and, uh, and yeah, so let me, let me kind of pull up some things here. Um, I guess let's, let's dive right into kind of next year uh, with you. I mean, obviously I think defense is probably, the number one thing, but I mean, I, I think sometimes those numbers can be skewed quite a bit as far as, okay, who's the best defensive team. It's not all about the points allowed. It's not about turnovers. It's, it's literally about how many points can you limit them with your pay, like style of play and your like how fast the game's going. Like a team might be better defensively than a different team, but there's just so many more possessions in a game. Like there's no doubt you girls are going to allow a lot of points, but you're also going to put up a lot of points. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, we take shots pretty quick. I mean, if we can get a layup and right when we get down the court, we're shooting that for sure. Especially if Monica still has somebody on her back with the way she shoots the ball. Like I want her to shoot that layup every single time. So I totally agree. I think defensive is definitely our biggest area to improve, but we're not the type of defensive team that's like going to get up in your grill and try to create steals and create turnovers and and things like that. Like we just want to play solid team defense and get better at that and get stops. I think that's the biggest thing. And then kind of leading into that is, is boxing out and rebounding. I think at times a lot of us would not box out. We would play good defense and then we would give up an O board, especially as you know, the big 10 is big physical. A lot of those teams were playing and just have bigger, more physical, physical girls that are, that crash the board super hard. So um, I think just moving as a unit on defense is, is going to be a big thing for us. Obviously we have a few players that are skilled defensively that are great one-on-one defenders, but if you want to be great on defense and get a stop, it takes all five players on the floor. So 
I think that's the biggest thing for us um, this off season. And honestly, we've done two weeks of workouts now um, that are kind of by position group and honest, like there are 75 minutes and about 55 of those minutes is spent on defense. I wouldn't say it's the most fun time, but it's just something that you got to work on and you got to do. So um, it's definitely at the top of our priority list and it will be a focus all throughout next year as well. So again, kind of reflecting back on your season, how are you able to mentally stay in, like in it? And I'll say sane because obviously, you know, with the amount of attention that you got from whether it be people like me in the media or fans or everything like that, a lot of attention is paid on you. And I know at times you've talked about, you know, you want to get better defensively, the turnover aspect. How are you able to kind of, I don't want to say stay grounded, but stay sort of sort of balanced and in, in, in that next play mentality? Because I imagine that's not as easy of a task as a lot of people think. Yeah, I think it's honestly something that I do pretty well at most of the times. I can get frustrated. And I think that's kind of been a work in progress. Like I'm still a freshman. I'm still learning. I'm still getting better at things. And um, it's kind of just like flushing that, let that go next play. Like if I, I can't go back and change it. So why worry about it? Um, obviously when you go back and watch film, then that's when you discuss it. That's when you look at it. And then in the off season, that's when you work on those type of things. And obviously defense limiting turnovers, I think are the biggest two for me going into this next season. And, um, I mean, it's something I'm going to work at. It's not something I'm going to shy away from. I'm not saying I'm going to be perfect, but, um, the thing is coach Buter tells me like, you can be a good defender. It's just, you have to make the choice. Do you want to get down and play defense every single possession? And I think sometimes I do choose, I want to play defense, but I think at the same time, like, I'm like, Oh geez, I need to save my body for offense. I need to save my energy for offense mm-hmm. just because that's how my mind has been all my life, especially in high school. when I had to do that much. I always had to be able to perform on the offensive end of the ball, which I would save and store my energy. So it's kind of training my body, training my mind to get down, play defense every single possession. And I think our team is really starting to buy into that. Like if we want to get past the sweet 16, like we got to play team defense really well. How did, how did you notice defenses on you throughout? Like how, how did defenses change throughout the season on you? Cause I imagine obviously that you were probably near the top of the scouting report at the beginning of the season, but then once you really started to, I almost said distorted once you started uh, to kind of put things together and obviously the consistent performances and all that, how did you sort of see the defenses change and on you and when they started out guarding you at like the half court line, because I'll say the, the UConn game specifically, that was as aggressive of defense on a player as I've probably ever seen in women's basketball. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest difference was just getting denied the ball from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Like, people were just denying me the ball. They didn't give me the opportunity to catch. So I think that was kind of the biggest thing, but obviously that's kind of hard, especially when you're trying to deny the point guard who brings the ball up the floor a lot of the time. But when I do pass it, like it's instant glue right on me. Like I'm not getting the ball back. So it's just finding that those ways to set screens, to get your teammates open, set screens, to get yourself open, have your teammates set you screens, um, be cut to get open. I was, I was having to turn to use a lot, a lot more of that. Um, and it's honestly something we started working on a ton in practice. Our practice boys would start denying me at the end of the year because they knew like that's what that's what was going to happen. And I think that's something I need to be ready for next year as well. Like, I don't think that's going to change. I don't think they're going to reset and be like, OK, we're going to let Caitlin catch again. And I mean, I hope they do. I, I would be thrilled <laughs> if, they allowed it, if they let me do that. But um, no, I think that's just the biggest difference. Just getting denied the ball. They didn't give me the opportunity to catch and. 
Um, I don't think it really slowed me down that much, but obviously it does make it challenging getting the ball back into my hands. So um, we'll definitely work on ways to get open, things like that, um, to the um, looking forward to the upcoming season. If you had told yourself before you got to camp, I'm going back to this question. If you had told yourself before you got to campus how the year would unfold, would you have believed it? From everything from the social media attention, how far you guys got to the accolades to everything like that. I mean, would you have, would you have believed it? Oh, you know, I am somebody that sets my goals super high. So, but if you would have told me I was going to lead the NCAA in points per game, I probably would have been like, hmm, maybe my junior and senior year. I don't know about my first two years, but um, honestly, scoring is just something that's always been a part of my game. And I remember Coach Bluter saying in like her preseason like press conference or media day, she was like, like, Caitlin scores. That's what she does. She's going to have to do it to feel comfortable on the court. And I think that's kind of spot on. Like, that's who I am. And I think, I mean, I had the most assists in the country, and I think that's just because of Monica down in the post. I mean, I was number one in field goals made this year, and Monica was number two. I think that's pretty impressive to have two on the same team. Um, And I think it speaks to the style of play we play. I mean, it it puts you in great positions to score the ball. And obviously, we were the the second highest points per game in the country. So, I mean, we play exciting basketball. But, I mean – Looking back at this year, if you would have told me that we were going to play UConn in the Sweet 16, I would have been like, whoa. But yeah. um, the way everything played out at the end of the year, it, it was super fun run. And I think it kind of showed everybody, like, I've been saying, like, I'm taking we're taking this team back to the Final Four. Like, that's what we're doing when I'm here. And I think everybody was like, at first when I said that, people were like, she's not doing that. Like, come on now. Like, she can say that. But, like, no. Like, I'm serious. Like, that's been my belief the day I committed here. And that's one of the main reasons I came here. And I think everybody now is like, okay, like, I was a legit team. So. So, I, I guess, let me uh, – I had a follow-up question. My mind just totally blanks. So that's not surprising to me. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, I know everybody wants to talk about the UConn game. I want to talk about the Kentucky game for a second. What – I mean, I don't want to say what happened. I expected that to be probably one of the better games in the second round because, I mean, there are no scrubs on that team. They are a very talented team. What clicked? I mean, Caitlin, you outscored them at half. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> when we went to shoot around, we didn't play our first game in the NCAA tournament there. This was at a different gym. Like, a, mm. I think it was a D2 school in the San Antonio area. Was that the one where the lights were kind of, like, yeah, shady it was like almost? Yeah. But, yeah. And, like, the rims were, like – the wall was super close to the basket. So like the depth perception perception was really good. And I remember in shoot around, I like went up to coach Bluter. I'm like, this is a shooter's gym. Like this is pretty legit. And like, I actually went up to K Ray, who's our uh, player development coach. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have 35 tonight. And I actually scored 35, which is actually really funny, but because usually I'll like tell her that and I'm like, I won't get it or something, but no, like, that was just a fun game. And I I went back and watched the first half. And I think the biggest thing for us, it was defense. Like we got stops and like, we looked like we were good at defense. Like we actually, we were locked in. We knew our scouting report. um, And we played together. Like we were sliding over, taking charges. We were boxing out, getting rebounds. And I think um, because we got stops that led into our fast break and they weren't back and we had so many easy buckets in transition. And that's exactly what we want. And I think, just seeing that and seeing like our transition still works and we still get easy buckets when people do score on us. But like when we get stops, like people can't get back because we transition so fast. Like, I don't know. I think that was the biggest thing. Like 
our team defense was just incredible. We held them to 22 points, 11 in each quarter in the, in the first two quarters, like that's great defense. And obviously it wasn't only me making shots in the first half. I think Monica was up to like 10 points at halftime. McKenna hit a couple threes. Gabby hit a couple threes. I mean, everybody was just scoring the basketball whenever they wanted. Mm -hmm. You got a shot, I think like what, 68% the first half or something ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. it was, it was pretty crazy. It felt like everything was going in and then obviously Kentucky made a little run there in the second half, but I thought we responded pretty well. We, we started making good shots and um, I think they just got a lot of O boards and easy putbacks. Um, I think our defense wasn't as sound, but eventually they were going to score that. I mean, they were the 15th ranked Mm -hmm. team in the country. That's what they were going to do. So, um, and obviously with Ryan Howard, first team all American, uh, I think we guarded her pretty well as well. So she's a super talented player most likely the number one pick in the draft next year. And we, we did a super, super good job on her. So that was great to see as well. You know, I think something that you guys talked about all year uh, going into the tournament and everything was there was no expectations or very little expectations. That's kind of the opposite now going into next season. Uh, What's the mentality about, you know, that I guess you really can't use the disrespect factor as a, as a chip on your shoulder. Now, now you got all the attention in the world. So how do you, kind of stay focused and stay grounded. And, you know, what, what? if you have to find a chip, what's the chip you find? Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for us last year was like nobody expected us to be good. So like, let's go prove them wrong. But this year it's going to be like, okay, people are expecting you to win like every game, whatnot, top 10 in the country, score a bunch of points. And I think the biggest thing for us, it's it's just going to be the same as last year, like one and oh, every single time you step on the floor, don't like the season's long, like you don't need to look all that all that far ahead. Like it's one and oh, every time you step on the court, play together. I think that's the biggest thing for us. And we just have such a great culture. We know just like rely on the people around you. And, and every time you step on the floor, play together. And um, before every game, Coach Bluter writes one and oh on the board. And I think that's just the biggest focus. Just be dialed into every single game um, and don't worry about the next because you got to take care of the one right in front of you. So a few rapid fire questions again. Thanks for all the time you've given yeah. given me. Um, who wins in a shootout? You were Gabby Marshall. Because I know everybody talks about Jordan Bohannon, but Gabby's just, I mean, Gabby is just as good, if not better. And like all respect to Jordan, but like Gabby doesn't miss. Gabby might beat me. Um, She shoots the ball super well. I think if our toes are right on the three-point line, I think Gabby wins. If I think we're back a couple feet, (laughs) I think I win. (laughs) Such a PC answer, but like you're probably right. (laughs) not going to lie. Who's the most underappreciated player on your team? McKenna Warnock, hands down. I mean, she does all the dirty work by far. She gets O boards. She gets D boards. Um, I I could put Kate Martin in that category as well. I think she's like the toughness, the glue, uh, the things she does. don't always show up in the stat category. Um, Her leadership she brings. I think those two for sure are underappreciated the most. Who took you under their wing when you first got to campus? I know all the attention was on you, but I have a feeling there was some upperclassmen that like immediately kind of adopted you. I think Lexi and Z for sure are uh, two of our captains, two of the three, they're the seniors. I mean, 
they've been here, they know what it's about. And they're kind of just like always right in my ear, especially when I would get frustrated in games and things like that. They're like, just calm down. Like, especially Z, Z would always come up to me and she, she was always great with advice. So definitely those two. Now I have to ask you this one because I think Iowa fans want to know it. You can decline to answer it if you want to. (sighs) Did you feel disrespected by not being a first team all American? Because there oh. was a rage mob online in favor of you. I think I think yes. <laughs> I think the tweet got. I, I literally think the tweet got ratioed. It had more replies than likes. That's after you you weren't on it. I don't know if you know that or not, but honestly, I was very happy to be a second team All American. Um, I think that gives me something to work for more than anything. Um, there's also just so many different like websites that put out all American teams. It's hard to keep straight, like what you are on each because you're not always like the same. So I think it's just like, take it with a grain of salt. Obviously the associated press is the biggest one. And I was second team all American there. So, I mean, I think it could have gone either way. And I think that's great. Like we have so many talented players. Um, that's what you want. And I think it just gives me something to work harder for. What music does Caitlin Clark go to to get hyped up for a game? Oh, um, definitely like hip hop rap before a game. But like outside of a game, I would definitely go like country, especially in the summer. I listen to a lot of country. I'm from Iowa. Come on. <laughs> I feel like it's such a seasonal thing, though, too. Like oh, As many sure. people as I like, talk to, like all season, it's always rap. And then like summer, it's like. I just want to stay outside and listen to country music. Oh, for sure. Like outside in the summer with country music on, there's really nothing better. All right. Let's name drop a few artists, either hip hop and country. Oh. Get, get, get the, give us the uh, Caitlin Clark tier list. That's hard. Country wise. Well, Dan and Shay, but they're more like hip hop, like not even like really country, but like they're really good. <laughs> um, Zach Brown band, super good. I'm trying to think who else more country rock than pure country. Uh, yeah, I don't Probably listen to like, like hard country, like more like, like, like the straw, like the straw like, out their mouth. Yeah, and I don't all that. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else like, I like, um, Dirks Bentley, Thomas Rhett. I listen to a lot of him, but yeah, honestly. Yeah. Whatever's <laughs> popular. Whatever's popular uh caitlin clark's ideal uh day away from basketball Ooh, honestly with covid and everything like probably just spending it with my family like being home relaxing spending it with my family a nice home-cooked meal i would definitely say that my mom's a pretty good cook so definitely just chilling with my family would would be the go-to was that the hardest thing when you were in uh the bubble yeah i i I think like, I'm not complaining, but like we ate out so much, like all our catered meals, especially where we're in San Antonio. Like we just like order out like all the time, which Mm -hmm. I'm like very grateful, like that we have the resources at the university of Iowa, like eat out and whatnot and not have to eat the hotel food. But like, eventually like you just want a home cooked meal. So it was nice to be able to come home and go see my family and get that for about a week. Random question. Were you able to go to the Drake relays? I saw your, your younger brother took third, right? Oh, in the his team in the relay. Yeah, they, they did. They did pretty well. Um, he's only a sophomore. So I think he has a bright future in track. Definitely much faster than me and my older brother. We didn't really get those genes, but, <laughs> um, but no, I wish um, I was following online, but 
hopefully I can go to the state track meet. I think it's at the end of May. So I'll be done with school. I'll have some time off from basketball. So I'm planning to, to be there for that. Uh, favorite food. Ooh. Um, probably chocolate chip cookies. Like I'm a huge dessert girl. So anything with chocolate, I would say. Yes. What did it mean for, for you and Luca and all these, you know, other Iowa athletes are like, no, Caitlin, you know, she has the potential to be, you yeah. know, better than me and on the Mount Rushmore of stuff. I know the expectations are continue to kind of pile up on your shoulders, but just how, uh, I guess, what was your reaction to that news? And I mean, yeah. I mean, you got recognized too. I, I, you know, it's kind of a cool thing here, I think, because you're probably one of the more prominent athletes on campus. Yeah. And, and that's not the case everywhere for yeah, women's I basketball. Think- Yeah, for sure. And I think that's kind of just a testament to how much women's or women's sports are supported here, Um, especially women's basketball, like the fan sport, as you said. And I think Coach Buter has just built such a program with so many studs that have come through, like um, people just support it. And that's what they want. They come to see those great players, the great teams that they have. But to hear Luca say things like that or Spencer Lee say things like that, I think – it means a lot, obviously, because they're they're there. They've accomplished that. And and to see that potential, it just makes you want to work harder. Obviously, Luca is one of the best of all time. Um, and getting to watch him firsthand this season was something special. And the way he carries himself, one of the most humble people, gives a lot of his time to others. I mean, he's a tremendous person. And I, I think he's going to have a, an amazing career in the NBA. I think a lot of people are counting him out, but that's no different than what he had to deal with when he came here. So I know how hard he works and I, and I'm really excited to watch him in the NBA and just to, to have him say the things he did means a lot. It makes you want to keep working harder and harder. So yeah, again, Caitlin, thanks for the insight and everything. And I guess to every other Iowa fan, be sure. I don't know when season tickets go on sale, but I know Caitlin, I know everybody that's returning basically is would be incredibly grateful and very excited to see a full Carver Hawkeye um, arena, but yeah, Caitlin, thanks again. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to have you back on. Yes. Thank you for sure. I would love to be come back on and thanks for having me on. All right. Again, David Eichel, HawkeyeInsider.com, Swarmcast. Uh, follow me on Twitter at David Eicholt and follow Caitlin Clark because I'm going to plug her. What's, what's her Twitter? Caitlin is Clark it, 22. That's what it is. Same thing as uh, Instagram. Yep. Same thing on so, Instagram. So be sure to go follow her there. And yeah, again, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves, demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? (laughs) Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus.